Hello students, welcome back to another course with me, Professor Caster. Today we're actually going to be talking about Warp Wolves. And if you ask what Warp Wolves are, that means that you did not take my course on the War Beast of Circle Obros from, of course, Privateer Press. So we're going to do a quick little review of what a Warp Wolf is. Unlike Tharn Skinwalkers or Lupine, people that just turn into wolves at the first full moon, a warp wolf is actually something created by the Blackclads using rituals and elixirs to actually turn a human into a ginormous beast, or war beast in this case. When they turn into these giant warp wolves, they actually lose all sense of self and their humanity even when out of wolf form because after the fight of course they turn back to more of a feral type of human. Being a warp wolf also allows them to increase their size or increase their speed or just, you know, shoot a bunch of spikes out of themselves to give themselves some crazy armor and damage people that try to damage them. So that is one of the major differences between a warp wolf and, of course, a skinwalker. Also, a disturbing element of warp wolves is they, one, even in human form, they act more like pack animals, like a wolf pack, of course. And, of course, the warp wolf transformation actually does a number of damaging things to the body because of, of course, the transformation to, you know, from human to giant 800-pound monster actually causes a lot of stress on the heart, causing them the human form to age prematurely. So most people that are given this warp wolf gift, quote unquote, usually don't live past 40. And by the time they get up to that point anyway, they're usually pretty crazy or feral in that matter. Also a fun little side effect that is also disturbing is when two warp wolves mate, they have the chance of creating a new species of warp wolf called a pureblood, which is a warp wolf that never leaves warp wolf form with the full capabilities of a human mentally, but still the primal nature of a warp wolf, which is kind of terrifying if you think about it. Also, apart from, you know, being a full pureblood, they have mystical powers way more advanced than their warp wolf counterparts, being that they can actually walk through walls and have a number of other abilities as well that we'll be discussing here in a moment. So, as always, let's begin reading from the archives, brought to you, of course, by the fantastic writers at Privateer Press. And let's begin. First off, we'll be talking about the Feral Warp Wolf, Circle Heavy War Beast. The embodiment of the Devourer Worm, Warp Wolves were first created by a cult of Devourer worshippers seeking a closer connection to the Beast of All Shapes. They unlocked a potent mystical formula that combined the bestial essence of man with the madness associated with the shifting moons. A mortal man who ingested this elixir transformed into a hulking, bipedal lupine monster when distressed or injured. A warp wolf filled with the urge to slaughter and feast. Among the cult were those who had found the Circle Oberos, and they brought with them the secret of the formula, which the Blackclads have since used to create these beasts for war. They have become some of the most favored and primal of the Circle's living weapons. The initial transformation from human to warp wolf is instantaneous, and most warp wolves remain in this form for extended periods, especially while battle rages. As calm settles after the carnage, most warp wolves gradually return to human form. The transformation cycle repeats in times of stress as well as during certain lunar phases. Warp wolf children possess the transformative ability of their parents, some of them never returning to human form. Few warp wolves retain their sanity for long, suffering from nervousness, tension, and violent episodes even when the human form and indulging any excuse to express their predatory nature. Warp Wolf bodies constantly shift and warp in battle. 
muscles and tendons bulging to provide burst of speed or power, bone-like spurs erupting to protect vulnerable flesh, wounds quickly close as skin ripples and transforms over the injuries, and the blood-curdling howls of warp wolves on the hunt is one of the most terrifying sounds in the dark wilds of Western Amorn. Well, it's good to know that they don't just switch into wolves when the moon is out, they could just be injured. Can you imagine walking down the streets of, of Seoul and running into some kind of madman that tries to attack you and you injure him and then he just switches out into a warp wolf? Yeah, that sounds awful. My experiences with warp wolves, I have gone up with them numerous times and tell you every time is awful. The hounds are awful. They're super fast, super hard to take down. Their healing ability is insane. They can shrug off bullet wounds. Like, if you're going to kill them, it has to be a very combined effort. Also, as mentioned earlier, these are not lupine. I've been bitten by a number of warp wolves and have not had any kind of wolf-changing experiences on myself. It's not that I'm aware of. And if I had, I would be a lot more mad than I am now. All right, moving on to a pureblood warp wolves. Circle heavy warpies. Bestial guardians boasting singular power dwell amid towering columns of rune-carved stone within the most sacred groves of Orboros. With fur as white as the light of the moon calder, these pure-blood warples can call upon the supernatural essence of their blood and become as insubstantial as fog, passing through trees and rocks to rend their foes. They can unleash the same primal powers in a discordant of howls that opens bleeding rents in flesh and can even shatter stone. Generations of breeding among those born as warples have resulted in these great beasts, which are proudly free of the taint of man, unlike their warpwolf parents, whose transformation are tied to the cycles of the moon, purebloods perpetually exist in their natural state. The only indication of humanity inherited from their parents lies in their intelligence. Though they lack the restraints of conscience, they possess cunning beyond any simple beast. Purebloods do not need a human form to speak. Though their voices are rough and difficult to understand by those not accustomed to them, purebloods possess the natural magnetism that draws other warpwolves to them, and it is the reason they often fulfill the leadership roles within the pack. This placement in the pack hierarchy makes them all the more valuable to those druids who would see warpwolves used to support the aims of the Circle Obros. Senior druids have found them capable of surprising insight, adaptive tactical brilliance, and bold ruthless courage. So we take everything that the warp wolf has physically and then we add a normal human intelligence to them, making them even more deadly. A perfect killing machine. Kind of like Karchev, the terrible. But faster and probably not in nearly as much pain. I've taken on pureblood warp wolves a number of times as well and these guys are no joke with the intelligence and cunning. Because they know how to get around places, they don't have to go full front, they can actually pop out of the woods in any kind of general direction. They can find you behind buildings, behind walls that they just pull walk through. And that's not just because they jumped over it. It's because they have the ability to just move through things like a ghost. Terrifying. Next up, Warpwolf Stalker. Circle heavy warpies. Warpwolf Stalkers are created from the same fell rites used to spawn feral warpwolves. For reasons not entirely understood, however, these creatures react differently to the elixir that triggers their transformation. Though unquestionably warped by the savage power of the devourer, and the bloodthirsty in the extreme, stalkers retain a portion of their human intellect and are able to wield weapons even after warping into their bestial forms. With the combination of animal instinct and human faculty, they are particularly effective killers. 
Some arcanists of the circle have speculated that those who have become warpwolf stalkers were individuals touched by the shadow of the wilding. Though such individuals lack the spark that would have enabled them to become true blacklads, their transformation gives them access to a font of the primal power. Rigorously conditioned to suppress a portion of their unnatural fury, warpwolf stalkers are shaped as much by their training as they are by their bestial transformation. Only warpwolves whose mind remain mostly intact when their transformation can undergo such training. As a result, their numbers are few. Those stealthy killers, taught to fight with great swords, accompanied by a vanguard of circle armies, and are suited to prowl a forest of Amoran, they stalk their quarry quietly from the dense foliage, even as the rage builds and threatens to grow out of control. At the last possible moment, the stalkers leap out and slaughter those unsuspecting prey in the berserk rush of liberated frenzy. So not only is it a warp wolf that has a semblance of human thought, that they're not bred into it, they're given the elixir, they get to remember themselves, but also they're given a giant greatsword, and they get to go berserk because they just let the rage flow through them unlike an actual beast, they just berserk out I guess. And not only that, it looks like they can give themselves the ability to prowl and hide in the shadows, which... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a giant war beast hide where you can't see them, but that is terrifying. I've gone up against these guys at least once or twice, and you remember a giant warp wolf that carries a huge sword that can cleave men down with one swing. Ugh, these guys just get better and better. Alrighty, and there are a few warp wolves that are unique to the warp wolf creations. Uh, that being, they're not just a general mill, they are characters with their own names, their own abilities, and their own personalities. Let's talk about those. Getorix, Circle Warp Wolf Heavy War Beast. Getorix's thirst for blood and hunger for violence are legendary among the brutal Tuaths of the Tharn. The very sight of the hulking beast fighting alongside Cromac the Ravenous inspires the same abject terror in the hearts of the enemies as their ancestors felt trembling in the presence of the Mulgar Hordes. His howled battle cry sets his foe's hairs on ends, breaking spirits even before his axe and teeth bite into the flesh. Gedrick's bloodlust is slaked only when he stands knee-deep in the entrails of the fallen, his jaw dripping with gore. Gedrick's was once a Tuath king of the Tharn. He and his tribe stood defiant when Morvana the Autumn Blade put out a call for warriors in the years when Cromac served her bidding. To bring them to task, Morvana released Cromac to subjugate his tribe, and the two clashed axe to axe in personal combat, each channeling the Devourer Worm. Tearing at one another with axe and teeth, the long battle left both Tharn savagely wounded. But there could be only one victor. In the end, Cromac was victorious, and he dragged Gedorix before Morvana to face her terrible judgment. Morvana saw in Gedorix the primal connection she could exploit to create a weapon of greater power and the punishment she chose was to inflict the warp wolf elixir upon the proud king. Druids had long avoided using Tharn in these rites, as their inborn connection with the worm combined with the drought's effects invited disaster. Perhaps to test Gromak's conviction, Morvana baited him to witness as they shattered Getrek's mind to transform him into the one of the fiercest warp wolves the Circle has ever known. Getrek broke loose to massacre his own tribesmen, including his wife and children beginning a maddened rampage of slaughter that escalated even further with the full moon of Calder. 
Getrix cut a bloody path through the forest, destroying several villages loyal to the Blackclads and his madness. Chromac hunted him down for weeks and finally subdued him once more, imposing his tremendous will to hold the creature back from the brink of mental abyss. A bond of honor and respect was born between the two, and Getrix obeys Chromac as he will no one else. The mind of the transformed chieftain remained broken and deranged, however, and in his mournful howls seemed to suggest that in every battle he relives the tragedy he once visited upon his own people. Alrighty, well, one, I'm not surprised that Chromac has a Warp Wolf companion, who's actually a character, because, well, Chromac is kind of a war beast himself when he transforms into his beast form, so that actually makes sense. Also, this guy is a terrifying Warp Wolf. He can click into all sorts of stuff to destroy huge swathes of man. Also, it says here in the archives, do not let him eat people, because he actually uses that to regenerate himself on top of his already ability to regenerate himself since he is a Warp Wolf. So it makes him even more durable on the battlefield if he starts, you know, wading into soldiers, which, <laughs> oh, on battles, you have a lot of soldiers you can wade into. Personally, I've never seen Gedrix, and honestly, I hope I never do see Gedrix in battle, because my lord, he looks terrifying. Also, Mervana's spite for disobedience knows no bounds. And it makes sense now why Cromac no longer follows her orders and follows Wormwood's orders, who is actually closer to the worm than any other living creature on the planet. Alrighty, moving on to Loki. Circle Warpwolf, Heavy Warbeast. Unique among his kind, Loki has managed to maintain a measure of both his sanity and his humanity even though the torturous transformation from man to warpwolf. His cunning combines with the imposing physical presence that make him particularly terrifying beast of war. With shield and hooked blade in hand, he carves a bloody path through his opponents in battle, relishing the carnage. Loki was once a warrior of the Vorgoi people, a far northern tribe fiercely devoted to the Vara Worm and known for its bloodthirsty warriors and sacrificial feasts. Loki proudly served as shield-bearer to the chieftain Tomek of the Bajork clan. He spent years fighting alongside Tomek against rival tribes and northern Trolkin, honing his martial skills and risking his life to shield the chieftain from harm. The Bajork clan eventually suffered a string of losses followed by a harsh winter. In the depth of this bitter season, a black-clad Werner, the Nightbringer, came to them seeking repayment for old debts. He commanded Tomek to surrender himself to become a living weapon for the druids. If not for the clan's weakened state, this proposal would have been refused outright. As it was, they could not afford to antagonize the blacklads. Before Tomek could accept, Loki intervened and offered himself in Tomek's stead. His clan needed its leader if they were to endure. Chained and led deep into the heart of the forest, Loki was handed a bottle of foul-smelling liquid and told to drink. He obeyed, initiating his transformation from savage man to savage beast. Even as the encroaching madness of transformation overwhelmed him, Loki fought with all his will to retain a shred of his mind. Loki's struggle to retain his identity caused him immense suffering as he was torn between impulse he could barely control. The change had awakened in him a battle lust that overshadowed anything he had ever experienced in all his years fighting as his chieftain's side. Fluctuating between immense anger and violent self-loathing, he was as prone to tear into ally as to attack the enemy. After a number of blacklads failed in their efforts to constrain his unpredictable savagery, the ranking druid had almost decided to destroy Loki when Tanith, the Feral Song, stepped in volunteering to try her hand with him. One last chance 
to see if he could be of use. The bond she soon forged with Loki succeeded beyond all expectations, and in her service, his true potential has been unleashed. Kenneth helped Loki suppress the thoughts that held him in check. He finally learned to quiet the man so the beast could do its work. Under Tanit's firm guidance, Loki has become a consummate hunter. Striking from the shadows with his hooked chain, drag enemies screaming into the dark of the forest. While Loki guards Tanith with the same care in which he protected his former chieftain, his human instincts now work in tandem with his bestial nature, a brutal combination of fighting technique and primal instinct. So, he seems awful. A warp wolf with an actual ranged weapon that he can catch you with and drag you back to him. Ooh, terrifying. Appears in the archives, he also has the ability to ignore anybody hiding behind, like, say, cover. Also, along with Tanith's ability, he gains the ability to hide in shadows as well. So making him kind of like a stalker in that case, just a way more powerful one. And he has some kind of instinct for battle, so he cannot be hit by multiple people shooting at him at the same time, which makes him even harder to take down with a combined effort. So, yeah... Kind of awful. Alrighty class, well that will do with our discussion of Warp Wolves and everything we know about Warp Wolves in the Circle of Obros, at least thus far. And as always, thank you Privateer Press for letting us read your phenomenal lore. And as always, your homework is please like, subscribe, comment, let me know how I'm doing. Let me know if you have any questions or variations for the class or if you want to have cool discussions about the lore. And let your friends and fellow gamers know about this podcast so we can keep increasing the class size. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, please share this video with your friends. Because we love discussing lore on this channel and we are going to be discussing it all and everybody would love to hear about it. At least, I would like to tell everybody about it. And as always, class dismissed.